Welcome to the Open Door Policy. Each week on this podcast, we sit down with a different guest and talk about a letter. Archbishop Vigneron's Unleash the Gospel Pastoral Letter. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. All right. Be about it. Each guest we have on this show we think is living it out in a new and exciting way. On this episode of Open Door Policy, we talk with Marilyn Webb, who is a mother of three, a church musician, and has roots in the Philippines. Marilyn, thank you for joining us on Open Door Policy. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, good. It's good to have you. And Father St. Polis. Yeah, Marilyn Webb. All right. Are you you ready to try rapid fire questions with us? Oh, yeah. Let's get it. Okay, let's get (laughs) it. All right. First question. What is the coolest article of clothing you owned as a child? Overalls. Good. (laughs) Marilyn, what's the weirdest food you've ever eaten? It's called chocolate pudding, but... Mm, but it's not, it's really not chocolate. Okay. <laughs> it's Spoiler not. alert, it's not what it sounds like. What is your favorite piece of religious art? Oh, there's something called the ecstasy. I can't remember who, who it is, but it's a it's a statue I saw. If your life was made into a movie, Marilyn, what genre would it be? Oh, goodness. And who would play you? Maybe it'll be horror this time. <laughs> who would play me? Oh, can I make one up? Yeah, man. Well, well, I'll say Diana Ross. Get it done. What do you remember about church as a kid? Repetition. Hamburger, pizza, or taco? Oh, goodness. Pizza. Of all the places you have traveled, where would you like to return? Ooh, the Philippines. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Don't be afraid. If you were going to teach a class, what could you teach a class on? How to eat. (laughs) (laughs) And if you could pick your confirmation saint today, pick a new or the same one, who would you pick? I didn't have a confirmation saint because I was confirmed as an infant, but mine shall be today, let's say St. Francis. St. Francis of the CC. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for Rapid Fire Questions. Thank you. That wasn't really rapid fire, but <laughs> we did Thanks. our best and we had fun. Hey! <laughs> you remember uh, repetition from church as a kid. Talk about that. What, what do you mean by that? Growing up, I remember I was remembering everything, but not understanding how the reason for it. So that's the repetition Repetition I'm thinking of. Just kind of doing the same thing every week. Yeah. Multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the Philippines, you've been once, you've been many times. Mm, four times. Really? At least. Oh, wow. From my memory. For specific reasons, the same places, and what would you do? My mom, she's from the Philippines, so I was baptized here as an infant. Then a year later, she took me back to the Philippines. That's her home country. And I was confirmed there uh, a year after, so I was probably one. Do you have, like, growing up memories of the Philippines? Um, I do have some childhood memories, but we didn't spend a lot of time. It was mainly summers there. So. Okay. So tell me about this, quote, unquote, chocolate yeah, pudding. Yeah, that's what I want to know, is too. That, was that in the Philippines? Yes, it was. What? Um, I'm what afraid is it? to ask, yeah. but I can't not <laughs> ask. What is it? Well, it may make everyone vegetarians after I say it, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. I already uh, am a vegetarian, okay, so you're well, fine. well, good. Yeah. 
Uh, my cousins and I, we used to eat over our rice. It looks like gravy, yeah. but they called it chocolate pudding. And we were curious where it came from. So one day we watched a slaughtering of a pig. And in that, the blood, <laughs> this is gross, sorry. <laughs> the blood is saved from the pig and then they cook it up until it turns into a gravy. And that was what we were pouring over our rice and <laughs> chowing down on until we found out what it was. Do you, have you ever had it since then? No, we... <laughs> it was like yeah. a clean break. You're yeah, like, that's, that's all right. Yeah. I've lived my life. That's a pretty awesome answer to the weirdest food you've ever yeah, eaten. Yeah, but it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. But now you like pizza more. Yeah, pizza. Like pizza versus quote-unquote chocolate pudding. Pizza wins. So you don't have a confirmation saint, but you pick St. Francis of Assisi. Yes, ma'am. Any that's my confirmation saint. Hey, yeah, well, I can read minds too, so that's why. Oh, I okay, it. you just like read it. Trying, okay, trying to he get is on the your patron saint of mind readers too. So. <laughs> He's no. Anyway, no, that's not true. <laughs> uh, if someone's like like writing that on Wikipedia <laughs> as we speak, um, do you do you have like so Saint Francis of Assisi is interesting because he's such like an interesting man. Like, do you do you appreciate him for a certain reason above another? Just his prayer life, um, more than that, his love for creation, um, the example he set for us to be good Christians. Um, the closest thing I can think to is of of a conversion story of coming yeah. from where he came, um, a life lived in luxury to a life lived in poverty. So that's a few of the things I love about him. Yeah. Have you always had a devotion or is this a newer no, thing? This is newer. Um, I felt a calling to become more than... The Catholic that I was, I felt like I wasn't doing enough and I had no idea who this man was. And little by little, God just re he brought people in my life who brought me to him. They'd mentioned his name. I've heard it casually, but I started learning more and more about him, read more about him and just drawn to him. So you picked a guy, Confirmation St. Danielle. I did. You, I snuck did, through. Did, did you get any grief for that? I think they thought I picked St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Like, oh. like they didn't double check on me. And I was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> a little rogue confirmandi here. Yeah. Rogue confirmandi, a candidate for the sacrament of confirmation. Gone rogue. Awesome. So Marilyn, you, you talked about St. Francis of Assisi. It sounds like that was a big part of you coming closer to God. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your story of coming um, more fully into your faith? Oh, it's a whole come back home story for me. So I have to go back a little bit. Sure. That's Let's okay. hear it. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're I, here to hear. Thank you. We're here to hear. I like that. <laughs> well, uh, when I went to college, I kind of went my own way and... I fell away from the church, so I had been... At this point, were you in the Philippines, or were oh, you I'm in sorry, the sorry, I was back in U.S., okay. mm -hmm. so I'm back here, and I was looking for more. I wanted all of the right answers. You know, people ask you questions you don't have the answers to, and I thought, maybe I can find it on my own, so I did. I, I went on my own, went to different denominations, tried to study and understand, did a lot of defending of the, of the faith that I didn't know enough about, hmm. so that's how I fell away from the church, and... I know my father, he got sick along the way, and I was way, and I didn't know what to do. I hadn't been going to Mass. I hadn't been going to, at this point, I hadn't been going to any, any churches. And I just heard this inner voice saying for me to come back home. Um, it was so clear. It felt like somebody was in the room with me. But at that point, I was alone just in front of the window. 
And that morning, I went out and I found the closest church I could get to. It wasn't a Catholic church, but it was a church. And I went there and I joined that that church. I began serving there and I was still hungry for more. And I remember going to Bible study and just going to their church services and I was missing something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And I went into their sanctuary place where they have services and I remember looking towards the where their um, the stage area was, and I remember not seeing, I didn't see an altar there, and I didn't see the tabernacle there, and I knew who I was missing, and I was missing the Eucharist, and I was missing Christ, I was missing all of our, the sacraments, and it was it was at that moment that everything came together, and it was like, what what are you doing? <laughs> Like, I've just been out in this world doing my own thing, and that was the beginning of me coming back. And So you were in college at the time, Yeah, right? I was in college at the time. Okay. And and that was this one experience in this non-Catholic church, or you well, had been was, going was, there a while, several, right? Yeah, I was going there a while. I was in Bible study. Um, they they consider the baptism that we have is, is not valid, so because we do the triple pouring, Mm-hmm. over the forehead and yeah. they wanted full immersion so i did it was a beautiful experience sure. so just a full immersion wow um, so they even like yeah i was under there for a while wow yeah so was, a year close to a year more than a year at this church yeah uh, probably almost almost a year okay i was there serving and then was there a specific church that you started attending then later or was it kind of more gradual or what did that look like? I tried to go back to my home parish. They always had uh, the Christmas Eve pageant. Mm -hmm. And so I tried one year and that was the year that they merged with another, uh, two other parishes. And so they had it at a different site that went that time. And I was like, oh, well, Lord, maybe it's not meant for me to come back. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was me going back, you know, Mm -hmm. back and forth. Um, But my aunt, she invited me to, there was a Catholic Lutheran Thanksgiving thing the following following year, and she invited me there. And this priest came up to me. By this time, I was married. I had two children. And he came up to us, and he just said, um, Hi, I'm Father John Laner, and I just want to invite you to come to our parish. You don't have to obligate yourself with anything. Mm-hmm. Just just come and see 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 us for Mass. And that was the beginning. Hmm. Yeah, once I got there, I, there was no turning back. Full on in, um, I started learning everything over again. It was similar to RCIA, but it was just me one-on-one with our pastoral minister there. Um, what church was this? This was at Holy Family. Back Holy to Holy Family, Family in, in Inkster. Inkster. Yeah, so yeah. that was the parish I was baptized at and went back home. Um, after that... Some time went by, started teaching catechism as an assistant. I don't know how, how that happened, but <laughs> somehow. The Holy Spirit just being like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> yeah. Well, that happens in parishes too, yeah, right? Like, uh, we need someone to teach you. Maryland. Yeah. Would you do it? And yeah. you said yes, right? And you were open I to did, that. I did. I did. I knew that I wasted so much time, it seemed like. And I'm like, God, what am I doing with our life? I could have been doing this for all these years, but... He gave me a second chance, and so I'm so thankful and grateful for just him allowing me to know him mm-hmm. again without, oh my goodness, sorry. God, God is good. 
All the time. All the time. Yeah. How'd you meet St. Francis? A woman, her name is Claudia Mayer Bernie. She's actually an author also. She was attending the parish at Holy Family. And she told me about this man she was in love with. She was in love with. She's in love with. <laughs> <Somebody> <laughs> but yeah. She said she was going to be a, a Franciscan. It was what she's called to be. And that was the first time I heard someone mention St. Francis. Um, here at the seminary, there was a, it was like a life in the spirit kind of thing going on here. And I was here for an, for that event. And a woman, she prayed over me and she told me that there was uh, third orders mm-hmm. that we could st- still be a part of. She was married. She had three children. Her life sounded like mine. And I thought, oh, that's something more than what I'm doing. That's something that, that I feel like I can be a part of. So you, you were, you, this woman told you something about the third order Franciscans mm-hmm. and you were like, huh, fascinating. Sounds like stuff that I might be interested in. Did you, so you are third order? It's something we're discerning or? At that, at that time, that was something I had nothing, I'd know nothing about. I didn't know about seculars, third order yeah. Franciscans, any of that. And I was curious, wanted to know more. And I was told to call over to the Archdiocese to speak to a sister. Her name Sister Kathleen Matz, who actually works in our department. Yeah, yeah. Sister Kathleen. Yeah. And I remember my phone battery was dead. And I said, if it's meant to be, I'll be able to connect with this person and she'll share something with me <laughs> that'll be fruitful. And she did. She told me about the Capuchins. She told me about St. Bonaventure's, uh, Solana's Casey Center. And she just shared all this wealth of information with me. And I said, you know what? Let me go check this place out. Yeah. So that was another step forward. So, so tell me something about St. Francis's life that like resonates with you, that's beautiful, something that you've learned about him that... Uh, that's attractive to you. I was going to say his disobedience. <laughs> Wait, yeah, well, was he disobedient? What? Well, to his father. Oh, his father okay. wanted him to to be a, the cloth like, merchant, right? Yeah, and he's just the total opposite of that. I mean, he grew into what he knew that God wanted him to be, and he wasn't afraid to do that. He wasn't afraid to be bold. He wasn't afraid to step step out there and just do what God planned for his life. He wanted his will to be aligned with his, and that's something that I greatly admire about him. He didn't care what other people thought. There's a story of him and the brothers dancing in the streets in the rain. All the mm-hmm. doors are closed. They're just singing and shouting for joy, just appreciating all of God's creation. And I love that. Have you ever been to Assisi? I have not. Ah. Assisi is a beautiful place, and you get the spirit of St. Francis there. So, And it's so cool talking with you to hear yeah. how he has moved in your life and kind of feeling, hearing the spirit of St. Francis working through you. It's beautiful. Yeah, maybe somebody will take me. Come with me. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks. We were talking about Unleash the Gospel earlier, Marilyn, and you talked about it being like a promise fulfilled. Uh, Can you talk about what what that means to you or what you mean by that? I'm excited for where this is going. I feel like we were just at a standstill, at least at the parish where I was at. And I'm look, I was looking for more, for people to be more excited. I'm excited about everything mm-hmm. that's happening in my life, just coming to know Jesus. And I want people to be just hyped up about it, just wanting to do more, wanting their the parishes to be lively, bringing more people in. I was thinking about them in the upper room. That's where it starts in, in the Unleash the Gospel letter. Yeah. And how the people were up there and they were afraid and, and just not knowing 
what was going to happen next. And then God sends the Holy Spirit. He sends himself down and just a blazing fire. They they're running out. People think they're drunk and it's like, oh, it's still early in the day. Why would we be drinking now? And people are just amazed. It's a, a, a fresh pouring. It's being renewed. And this is for our promise fulfilled for me. What I was thinking was that it's something that we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. And this is the best time, if not any. Why, why would we wait around for anything else? Archbishop wrote this beautiful letter, and it, it calls us to conversion. And that's something we should be doing, ongoing daily conversion, conforming our lives so we can be more like Christ. That's so inspiring to yeah. hear you talk about it that way, mm-hmm. right? Just to hear like you, you hearing uh, or you seeing the disciples in the upper room afraid and how the Holy Spirit like scatters that fear, yeah. just kind of like sends it running and they're filled with the gift to then to go out and proclaim Jesus with their words and with their lives. I mean, that's that's beautiful. Now, a word that is sometimes uses like New Pentecost talking about this, what does that mean to both of you guys actually? Like when you hear that, what does it mean? What does it inspire? What is it? What does it feel like? It, you know, You know what I think of with that? I think that what God has done in Scripture mm-hmm. is factually true, hmm. but it also points to what God wants to continue to do in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, when we proclaim Jesus risen from the dead, we're proclaiming that what God has done in Jesus, he also wants to make alive in us. He gives us the same spirit that was in Jesus. And, you know, we read about... You know, the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus at the baptism. The Holy Spirit descends on us, and I get filled anew with the Holy Spirit that's meant to put me on mission, to Mm -hmm. send us out, right? You were saying, Marilyn, like, to get out from the upper room, to get out from maybe this idea of the church as being enclosed and Hmm. afraid, right, that, like, we're shrinking, things are getting smaller, the culture is getting more oppressive, mm-hmm. we're becoming marginalized in a lot of ways, and, and the temptation can be like, let's just hang out in this upper room where it's safe, hmm. where it is. We can lock the doors. Here's right. an idea. We'll all be together with the doors locked. Yeah, but God doesn't want us to do that, and when we receive the Holy Spirit, he compels us to go out into the dangerous world yes. so that others can know the power of Jesus. And that sounds amazing, but I'm still afraid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's why it's not on me. Like, I give it up to the Holy Spirit to work through me. Yeah. What, what does the New Pentecost mean to you, Danielle? You know what? <clears throat> I was thinking about this this week. So it's interesting because, so my parish closed too. Did you say your parish closed? I didn't, but it did close. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe someone else. Maybe you told me my father. No. Anyway, like it's like I mean, like I also live in this world. I also live in this culture. So it's like, like I see these things. I see culture change, and um, I think it's easy to be a little bit like, oh, what, 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 what's going to happen? But I think the new Pentecost is an assurance of like things also didn't look great on that day when people were like, so. Jesus is gone. <laughs> um, uh, well, well, I think, Danielle, you've talked about, like, the parish you grew up in closing yep. was, like, the place where you made your sacraments yep. is 
Well, it's a Kroger now, I think. It's you a Kroger, said, right? yeah. Like, you can buy not sushi the building there. itself, yeah. but the grounds where mm-hmm. that happened. Yeah, it's right next to my house, which is interesting because there's also kind of like, like the experience that I've had of Catholicism now is that my church is not that church. My church is all of these. Like yeah. all of these are my church now, but I also yes. belong to a parish, so. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what was that experience or how did that affect you, Marilyn, in, in thinking about like your faith, your Catholic faith going through that pretty recently, right? Yes, sir. June of this, or June of last year, since wow. we're in a new year. Happy New Year. Feliz Happy Año new Nuevo. <laughs> Gracias. It was weird. I remember when I went to the one, to the one that closed. I don't know if you've been to one of these. I assume you have. It's like a funeral mass. They have a funeral mass. It's a for funeral your for a church. It surprised yeah. me. <laughs> yes, same. Um, and I remember I came in, and in my mind, I wanted to go to this one side near the organ, and instead, I like just out of ha- blind habit walked to the pew that my family always sat in when I was a child, and I watched this funeral mass from the seat that my family like taught me my faith in, and then at one point, like everyone goes to the altar, like kind of and um and then they all walk out and then it's like this final goodbye and i remember bishop burns talking about kind of this later on and he was like the reality is you're never supposed to close a church like we know it's unnatural kind of like the way death is unnatural like it wasn't a part of the original plan yeah and he's like and so it's it's we kind like it hurts because it's not the right thing and so like it should hurt Right? Yeah. Like the fact that it hurts is an acknowledgement of the reality of like that's not part of God's plan. As right. Right. So it's interesting to have lived through it as well and know what that feels like and know like this is not what it was supposed to be. Does anything give you hope about that? or? Yeah, it did because I didn't expect to feel the way I did. Yeah. I, I was playing the organ. So there was a upper room in the upper room <laughs> so I was in the upper room playing um, the organ but I didn't see much of anything because of where I was sitting at it wasn't until they were folding up the altar cloths and then yeah. that was when reality hit like oh my goodness this is the last mass mm-hmm. and afterwards afterwards the hope for me was that me my children and my husband we could find a parish together mm-hmm. um, where I was attending, it's the church my family grew up in. We we were always going because it was like we had to go. That's the church that my mom, Mm -hmm. she brought us to. But this would be a new beginning for us to find a new parish and find one together. So, And, you know, our church is universal. We should be able to go to any church and feel home and comfortable because that's where Jesus is. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, hearing these stories, and I've been to one, the parish I grew up in didn't have that experience, so I don't have the same kind of like Sense. lived experience, yeah. yeah, but I've been to some of these, and it is sad, and it is a bit of death, and I just think like, this is why we need Unleash the Gospel, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because like, we need to do things differently. God wants us to realize that managing decline Right. is not what he has in store for the Archdiocese of Detroit right now. Mm-hmm. And if that's the only way we're thinking about it, like, okay, how can we manage this number of churches, minimize the closings, and mm-hmm. minimize kind of the pain 
you know, or, or delay it until we absolutely have to. And, and we, we have the total wrong mindset. Sorry, Danielle. That's okay. I was like, oh, I thought, that, thought there was a break there. I think another thing that's there interesting. No about <laughs> I will speak for the next 15 minutes. Um, I think that there's like the, the, the concept of new Pentecost is an acknowledgement of like, this isn't an, an us thing. Mm. Like, you know, it's not like. I, Danielle Center, can be like, hey, what up, Church of Detroit? Here I come, about to save you. Like, the pen- the message of the pe- of Pentecost is like, God's not going to let us down. He's going to come back in his glory and in his power. So, But but the message is also, to me, talk, you know, picking up on what we were saying earlier, like, despite the fear yeah. that we have to get out of that room, get With out God. of our safe space, yeah, yeah and let God direct us let god's spirit drive us into places where maybe we're not comfortable yeah. we don't know how to do it people we think you're crazy been, people are gonna think we're gonna we're crazy right we don't yeah. fit in right right away like as you go to a new parish right you don't know people whatever uh the challenge is there but god wants us to be uh radically mission oriented mm-hmm. not just to be managing decline. And the beauty is we don't have to do it alone. When he send us out two by two and where two or more are gathered, there he is. So yeah, that's the beauty. You talked about a spirit of cooperation being one of the good habits you like a lot, right? Yes. Yeah. T- <laughs> tell me, like, what's attractive about a spirit of cooperation? When I was thinking of the spirit of cooperation, I was thinking about the body parts and the scripture on how one body part isn't more important mm-hmm. than the other one, how we eat. How we as people, we each need each other, even though there's those people that we aren't so fond of. We still mm. we still need we need them in our lives for some reason. Lord will reveal that to us one day. Um, but there are some people who who can strengthen us. I think about my husband. We're mm-hmm. total opposites. I'm one way and I could just be out there in the world and he reels me back in. <laughs> That's something that I was thinking about, too, is. um this concept of evangelization when I was uh, with, one time I was hanging out with Bishop Burns, Archbishop now, Archbishop Burns. Name drop. One yeah. time while I was hanging out <laughs> no, with I, Bishop Burns. And by hanging out with, I mean, I attended a talk that he gave. Oh. <laughs> that is really yeah. stretching, hanging out. He doesn't really know who I am, but I went to his talk and, um, and he was talking about <clears throat> the concept of evangelizing, like, communities that evangelize so evangelizing communities and and the the experience of families as evangelizing communities so i am interested in like like you know you say you're very different than your husband but like what does that feel like how do you experience that working together that spirit of cooperation within your vocation of marriage oh my goodness it can get lonely sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know I share wife stories with other people, and I found out that I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the difference between how men and women are, just having that catechist brain, it, it seems like I'm the one who's doing a lot of the, the work around the house. Mm-hmm. I know he shares the gospel in his own way, but for me, it's it's reading and knowing. And, and look, I'm back to that repetition part of it, that thing that I ran away from, now I'm embracing my mom, she has a lot to do with it, too. She's she's living with us, and um, I grew up watching her say her rosaries, watching her pray her rosaries, and that was something that stuck in my mind. Yeah. Um, 
my father, he wasn't Catholic, but he listened to, what is it, WCHB. It was a, they had gospel music playing, so he'd be out in a garage mm-hmm. and this gospel music would be playing all through throughout the backyard while we'd be doing our chores and stuff. So parents have a, a, a big part in the preparing for their children, the foundation that, that we that we have for us. What what's the hardest part of being a raising kids uh, in the Catholic faith? Now, because so much of what Unleash the Gospel is about uh, touches on families, right? That the family is the building block, the foundational kind of yes. piece for a Christian society, for the church. That the church is built up of families, because that's God's plan for us to be in communion to be in community with each other. So, like, what what's a challenge or one of the hard parts for you um, to pass on the faith to your girls? I have great girls. They love the church. Mm. They're not afraid to say that they're Catholic. That's something different than I was uh, growing up in, in public school. You didn't hear a lot of Catholics saying, hey, I'm Catholic. It was yeah. all the other denominations were proud of what where they were going and I don't know. It was harder for me. But for the girls, I've been sharing it with them since we've been back in the church. They were young enough so that that's all they know. That's all they know is their faith. And right now they go to public school, but they've always been in catechism classes. Uh, They go to every event that I go to and they Mm -hmm. go willingly. They love it. And they show it. I think that the people who see them, that they can see the light through them, that this is something they enjoy. This isn't something that they're forced in. And I'm hoping that that'll draw more people in. It's interesting to me to like when I talk to children and I'm like, these people are also the church, you know, like, like there are so many times that I've it, it, like talked to children about their faith and I'm just like, holy cow, I learned so much about my own faith mm-hmm. from children. So it's interesting to think it's not like I sometimes I hear the term like, oh, they're the future of the church. And I'm like, no, legitimately, they're the church right now, too. So, yeah. Yeah, you get to work with a lot of children, Danielle, I do. Right? You, you do a lot of uh, tours I at, do. Uh, at your parish so, at St. Anne? They're so cute, and they're so inquisitive, and they, like, think of... I remember, like, one of my favorite, like, things that blew my mind. Well, this was, like, this is at a parish where I was, like, helping with children's liturgy. And um, the gospel that day was about... Uh, if a person comes up to Jesus, what is the greatest commandment, right? right? So I was like, all right, this is what we're going to do is review the original commandments so that we can talk about which one do we think is the most important then like go into what Jesus said. Like, right, this makes sense. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, kids, what were the original commandments? What were the original rules that God gave us? Thinking to myself, 10 commandments. And this little girl raises her hand and she's like, um, to breathe? And it was like, that's true. Like, our first command was to live. And I was like, wow, that's so profound. <laughs> I'm sure she meant it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very profound. No, she was just like an innocent little child. Right. And I was like, what a beautiful way to, to see your faith. Do you ever work with kids? 
Um, sometimes. <gasps> what? Yeah. You have nieces and oh, nephews. Oh, I got a bunch of nieces and nephews, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, They're a blast to work with and to hear, like, how God's working in their lives and what... We got some uh, powerful little Christians. We do. We do. And it it's great to see how unabashed, as you were saying, Marilyn, of their faith they yeah. can be, right? Yeah. Unabashed, that's a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, no that's, so. I don't know if I use that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you were saying the same concept. <laughs> Is yes, that thank like, you, like, you know, there's a kind of fearlessness or openness about sharing their faith that can be just, just really, really beautiful. And, and the way God works through young people, it's great. It's a wonderful blessing for our church. Yeah, and that's how we're, we're called to be. God calls his, his children. And that's what we are, babes in Christ. Yeah. I, I just think of like a story I had uh, in seminary. We were learning how to like you know, get, yeah, just to share our faith with people. And I remember I was getting my car worked on. So I went to this bell tire and I, it was going to be like an hour. So there was a Bob Evans nearby. So I, I went over to the Bob Evans to get some breakfast. It was, you know, like nine o'clock in the morning. And uh, there's a, a gentleman sitting, an older gentleman sitting by himself reading his paper. And I thought like, all right, this man go needs the word of God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go talk to him. This is like I, kind I, of an aside, but I'm going to jump in. Father Steve Polis is a gigantic extrovert. And so like I hung out with him this weekend and he just like walks up to people. Hi, what's your name? Where are you from? And like I'm an extrovert, but that's like too far. Like I toned myself down. So like I would not do this. But you in your heart were like, this is where Jesus is calling me in the spirit of the new Pentecost. So continue. Yeah. So I see this guy by himself. And I get afraid to talk to him. <laughs> so I get up to walk over there. And then I, at the last second, chicken out and go to the bathroom. Aww. And I psych myself up. Like, you can do it. You can you do can it. You can do it, Steve. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and so I go back out. And there's like five other people in the restaurant. And I go up to him. I'm like, hey, can I? Because he was in a booth by himself. I'm like, hey, can I join you? And he goes, what? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got my paper. I'm okay. Aww. <laughs> and so, like, in my mind, it was like... Deflated? people turned and looked like, who is this weird dude, right? Um, <laughs> but really, it was like the five other people and the one waitress in the restaurant looked at me. And I just went back to my booth and, you know, went Ate on with alone. my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went on with my life. But it was a great lesson for me of, like, okay, it didn't work out. And what did it cost me? Hmm. It cost me like five seconds of feeling embarrassed, hmm. right? And like, why was I so afraid of that? Like, hmm. my life is really okay now. Right. <laughs> that it didn't work out. And just that, you know, that I pray the Lord gives me and, and all of us a greater readiness to suffer that little bit of embarrassment so that we can uh, be part of this movement of Unleash the Gospel to to be radically mission-oriented. Yeah. Is there anything, before we call things to a close, that any words of advice, encouragement, affirmation you'd like to... I I meant to say advice. Did it come out (laughs) as something else? Okay. Advice, encouragement, affirmation, or inspiration, perhaps, that you'd like to share with the people who are listening today? Love to love. Mm -hmm. God is a God of love. He's... It never ends with them. It's always re- it's always renewing, and he's willing to give it to us. I just pray that we can all be open to receive it, open to share it. 
Archbishop says, God wants his people back. Yeah. Yeah. We want his people back too. Yeah. So maybe if we can share a little bit, a little bit of ourselves, a smile, a kind word, just help along the way. Send that love. We were really blessed to have Marilyn Webb with us today. So glad she shared her story of faith. What a powerful witness St. Francis was and continues to be in her life and how she is working hard to raise her daughters to love Jesus and the church. Be sure to subscribe and like us on iTunes and to bring your friends along for the ride. And if the Holy Spirit has inspired you while listening today, be sure to pass this episode along to someone else who might enjoy it. Open Door Policy was recorded and produced at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit by Ron Pangborn. He is the patron saint of mine. What? That's not true. <laughs> Join us next time when we ask... Tell me about this quote-unquote chocolate yeah, pudding. Yeah, that's what I want to know, too. It looks like gravy, but they called it chocolate pudding. Have you ever had it since then? No. <laughs> Special thanks to our Open Door Policy creative team. Christine Werner, Paul Duda, Patrick Hodgson, Devin Buston, Patty Maldonado, Naomi Rezo, Joe Peltier... Espy Chrysostomo and Edmundo Reyes. I'm Father Steve Pullis with Danielle Center. And this has been another episode of Open Door Policy. Hi, this is Danielle from Open Door Policy, and I wanted to let you know that for season two, we have new social media channels for you to connect and follow Open Door Policy. So be sure to follow at Open Door Detroit on Twitter and Facebook. Tell us what you think of the latest episodes and follow along for the latest updates on all things Open Door Policy.